All right, raise your hand if you watch the Super Bowl. So how about the Super Bowl halftime show with Justin Timberlake? What? No? Come on, Grace. Did anyone watch, when they watched it, did you watch the halftime show? Did you at least watch it? Did you see when the kid, there was a kid, Justin Timberlake went into the crowd, right? Right here. He went into the crowd, and everyone was, like, freaking out, and this kid was just kind of just kicking on his phone. He could look like he could care less, right? So this is the million-dollar question I have for you today. I'm going to give one person, and I'll actually buy you lunch if you answer this question right. I'll buy you lunch. One person can answer it. Raise your hand if you know what that kid was looking at. It came out. It's, it's, on, it's out now, what he was actually looking at. He said it, what, what he was looking at. What do you think? We'll go there. White shirt. Yeah. Clash of Clans. That is... That is false. That is false. We'll, I'll show you what he was looking at. You want to put the next picture. Where is Beaverton Foursquare Church at? That's what he's looking at. He's trying to join our church. So uh, maybe next time we'll get you lunch next week, maybe. I don't know. But um, anyways, long story short, let's start. Can we start out in prayer? Can we do that? Let's bow our heads and pray. God, we just thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for waking us up today. God, thank you for the grace you've given us and just putting breath in our lungs right now, God. Thank you for that, Jesus. And thank you for this opportunity um, to come together as a community to open your word, God. Um, I just pray that you speak to us, God. I pray that we encounter you today. I pray that, we, uh, that we're all changed here today, Jesus. Change us today. Don't let us leave here not changed for you, Lord. We love you. And Jesus, thank you for not allowing the New England Patriots to win another Super Bowl. Can we all say amen? Amen. amen? amen. All right. So who here like or who here likes building things or putting together things? It could be a shelf. It could be a puzzle. Raise your hand. Does anyone like that? Enjoy that? So if you're looking for someone to help you build something, I'm definitely not your guy. I'm not your guy. There's a couple weeks ago we were putting together, uh, we bought a shelf from Ikea for one of my roommates, and uh, we were going to put it together for her. And it's, it said it'd take like 15 minutes to put together. The guy that we bought it from said it would be super easy to put together. Like it was, it was simple, they said. And so um, we started putting this thing together. And two hours into it, he said 15 minutes, right? So two hours into putting this together, I, we got to the last piece. And I was pretty excited about getting the last piece of it. And uh, I was going to go in to put the last piece on the shelf. And I quickly realized that's not fitting very well. And I realized that the piece I put on first on the very bottom was actually supposed to be the last piece I put on. And the last piece I was going to put on was actually supposed to be the first piece. So I had to take apart this entire shelf, right? That was already two hours into it, right? And I had to take apart this entire shelf and then put it back together. You see, it was much more complex than that guy portrayed it to be and the box portrayed it to be. It was much more complex than that. And to prove that I'm not the only one that experienced this. One of my friends, uh, he bought a dishwasher uh, a couple months ago, and the guy he bought it from said he could, like one person could probably assemble this dishwasher by himself in a couple hours. A couple hours, he says. And so my friend's like, all right, I got this. I'm a handy dude. So he starts putting this together, and he's going direction by direction because he's making sure he doesn't forget something. Because that would be the last thing you need with a dishwasher. So he goes direction by direction. And four hours into it, he gets about the midway through. And on the directions, it said, you will need this part. 
you'll need this part. It shows the part of what it is, and it kind of gives an explanation of what that part is. And then it says, and it is not included. So we had to go back to the store, buy this part, come back home, and start assembling this part into this dishwasher. And so we, then that was fine. He's, then he starts trucking right along. He's going. And he gets the last direction. And that's eight hours into it, he gets the last direction. I'm not making this up. Eight hours in, he's putting this dishwasher together. And remember, he said a couple hours. Eight hours into uh, building this dishwasher, uh, the last direction said this. Does not come with a power cord. What doesn't come with a power cord? So we had to go back to the store, buy a power cord for this dishwasher and come back home. And then assemble this dishwasher. It took them the entire day. It took them the entire day. When they said it would be pretty simple, right? I think we've all experienced this before. Whether it's a math problem in class. Teacher like, oh yeah, it's like two minutes to do this. You got it. An hour and a half later, you're still like, I have no idea what's going on here, right? Or a shelf or a dishwasher, whatever it is. People sometimes portray things to be incredibly simple. But really, when you get to the heart of it, it's much more complex than that. And I'm going to tell you today that the gospel of Jesus Christ is simple. The gospel of Jesus Christ is simple. But we, as a church and pastors and people in the community, sometimes, not just this community, at the church, Big C Church, we try to add things to it. We try to add things to saying, oh, you have to do this to be saved. We, we say things like, oh, you have to worship a certain way. You have to have the right friends. You have to go to the right church. You have to look a certain way. But ultimately, our salvation is simple. Our salvation comes from believing in Jesus Christ, believing he died for us on the cross and rose from the grave, right? And having a personal relationship with him. Our salvation is ultimately simple, Right? And so we've been t- we started a series last week, Pastor Jeff did, um, on salvation. And we're going to continue through that series this week, uh, we're talking about why we are saved and how we are saved. And today we're going to get to the root and the substance of salvation. We're going to get to the root and the substance of it. And we're going to talk about grace. We're going to talk about this idea of grace and what it means, what it, grace really means. And I know you've heard this term a lot used in church. I'm sure you've heard this term a ton. But I'm going to tell you today that you have probably been looking at grace in the wrong way. And so I've titled this sermon today, Grace Redefined. Write that down. Grace Redefined. Because that's what we're going to do today. We're going to redefine grace. I'm suggesting today that we have been looking too much at what grace is and the concept of grace And we need to be looking more at who grace is. Has anyone experienced an awkward hug in their life? Raise your hand. An awkward hug. I've experienced this way too many times in my life. So you're going going up to someone and you're going up for like the bear hug type deal, right? And they kind of going for that side hug type thing. And then so you're kind of like going with their, and then they're kind of side hugging you. And so you're kind of just wrapping yourself around them. You don't know what's going on, right? We've probably all experienced this, right? Some people just can't seem to hug, right? We just, some people just can't seem to hug. Well, I'm going to tell you today that we embrace grace the same way. We can't just embrace God's grace completely. 
And there's a pastor here at Beaverton, and uh, not in the youth department, but he, every time I see him, I know it's going to be a huge bear hug. I know it's going to be a massive bear hug. And, it's, and every time I see him, I know it's coming. I like, have a choice to embrace it or not. And that's the same thing with God's grace. God's grace is coming whether you realize it or not. It's coming. God's grace is coming. So we have the option to embrace it or not. Grace is very hard to understand. It's illogical. It's counterintuitive. Right? We, when grace comes to us, we don't really know what to do with it. But we may sing about it like we just did. And we may talk about it. But we really don't know what it is. We really don't know how to conceptualize it. Right? So we try to think of grace as like a a principle or a concept, right? We try to put a definition on it. Grace is like that random gift a friend gives you, and you open it up, and you're like, what is this thing, right? You have no idea what it is, but you won't say that. That's what you're thinking. You're like, oh, I love it. It's awesome. Like, I I really like this, but you don't know what it is. I had lunch right after Christmas with with my grandparents, and um. We, it was right at McMinniman's, right across the road, and uh, they were sitting across from me, and they gave me a Christmas present. And so they wanted me to open it right in front of them, and this is the Christmas present right here that they gave me. And so this was my reaction. Literally, they're sitting across from me, my grandma and my grandpa, and they give me this Christmas present, and I open it up, and I look at it like this. I'm like, oh, thank you. I love it. It's just what I wanted. Any idea what this is? I had no idea what this thing is. No idea what's going on with this thing. But it looks kind of weird. I thought it was a camera at first. I don't know what it is, right? But then, do you want to know what it is? A lantern. I got a lantern for Christmas for my grandparents. It's awesome, right? A lot of us relate to grace the same way. We open God's gift of grace and we're like, what is it? What, what is this thing, right? But if we grow up in church, or if we're in church, or around other Christians, we try to say that, oh, it's just God's blessing, it's His favor, and it's His, like, it's His goodness, right? But we really don't know what it is. But it's interesting that all scholars will say that grace is one of the most important concepts in the Bible. So it's crazy to me that we can't understand what it is. And I'm going to propose today that grace is much more a person than a principle. Grace is much more a person than a principle. We have made grace a principle. We have made grace a doctrine or teaching in Scripture to try to understand. When Jesus is the personification of grace. If you're looking for grace, you don't have to look for a sermon, a podcast, a teaching, You don't have to look at it as a concept or principle. If you're looking for grace, look for Jesus because Jesus is grace. In John chapter 1 verse 17, it says, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In Titus chapter 2 verse 11, it says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Both of these verses are saying that once once Jesus showed up on the scene... Grace showed up too. Jesus is grace. He is the personification of grace. 
So we're going to dive into a scripture here in Luke chapter 23. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll get it passed out. Create a leader, pass them out. Um, or flip to that Luke chapter 23, verse 32. And by the time we pick up this um, point in scripture, Jesus, it's, this story that we're going to read is Jesus being executed. He's being killed, right? He's being executed on the cross. And um, at this point, Jesus has already been mocked. He's already been ridiculed and he's already been taunted. Right? He's already experienced some awful things. So follow along with me in Scripture. We're going to Luke chapter 23, verse 32. Perfect. It says, Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals. One on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There's a written notice above him, which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence. We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, just remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So picture this, Jesus hanging on a cross, dying the worst, most painful death you can imagine, For no reason, right? There's a criminal on his left dying the same death. Criminal on his right dying the same death. We have no idea what these criminals have done. It doesn't say that. We don't don't know, but I don't even know if we want to know what these people have done. And one criminal kind of mocks Jesus and says, why don't you just get us off the cross? Because you can do that. Why don't you do that? Kind of mocks him. And then the other criminal looks to him Looks to, Jesus, looks to the other criminal and says, well, he doesn't deserve this, but we do. And then that criminal looks at Jesus while he's dying on a cross. They're, they're all dying on a cross right now. And he looks at Jesus and says, will you just remember me when you go into heaven? Just remember me. That's all he asks. Just remember me. And Jesus looks at the criminal. And what does he say? He says, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. We don't know what this criminal has done, right? Probably some pretty awful things. But Jesus, because he is grace, he was dying the most painful death we can ever imagine. And he looks to this criminal and shows him grace. You see, we don't have any record of this criminal getting off the cross and going to get baptized. We don't have any record of this criminal getting off the cross and going to a church service. We have no record of this criminal ever doing one thing for Jesus. He died. Yet Jesus, because he is grace, looks to this criminal and says, Today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. And I say all this because grace is much more a person than it is a principle. Grace is much more a person than it is a principle. So I heard this story a while ago. Um, that kind of relates to grace and this idea of grace. And I really want you guys to listen to this story 
and take it in and just try to paint a picture of what this story is telling you. Okay, so there was a man. This man had two sons. And the younger son went up to the man and said, Dad, show me the money. I got people to see. I got places to go. Show me the money. Basically, this, this son knew that his dad, when he died, was going to give him money. He was going to give him an inheritance. And so the son was like, Dad, I'd rather have you dead and have your money, honestly. So he goes up to his dad and is like, Dad, I want your money. You're dead to me. I just, I just want your money. And so the dad says to the son, are you sure? The son's like, yeah, like show me the money. That's, that's what I want. So the dad says, okay, well, just go get your other brother and then come back and we'll divvy up the money. And so this younger son goes and gets his older brother. They come back. The dad writes a check to the younger son. And right when he writes that check, this younger son already had his bags packed. He took the check and he was gone. Where was he going? He, was go- he went to Las Vegas. He was living the good life. He was partying up on the strip. Everything was good. He had cash in the bank. He had a bunch of friends. Life was good. He had his dad's money. He didn't need it. He didn't need his dad. He just wanted his money. And the story goes on to say that the economy started to turn for the worse. Sooner than later, he started to lose his money. And then he completely lost every penny that he owned. He lost everything that he owned. And so the son realized that, well, in order to survive, I need I need to get a job. Like, weird concept, right? I need to get a job. And so um, he puts out his resume, creates a resume, puts out his resume. And how many phone calls does he get back? He, he gets one phone call back. And it's from a farmer kind of in the middle of nowhere. But he has to go out to interview. So he goes out and interviews for this job. Interview must have gone well because he got the job. But the job was to feed the farmer's pigs. That's all he had to do. One thing, just feed the pigs. But the farmer made one rule. He said, you can't even eat the food that these pigs eat, though. Like, you're, I, you're that low. I don't care about you, you that much. You, just, you can't even eat the food the pigs eat. But the son was like, well, I got I to gotta take it. I have to take it in order to survive. So he took the job, and he started working for this farmer. And one day when he was working for this farmer, he started to think and realize how good it was back at his dad's house. He started to remember how good his dad actually is. Because he's starving. He, can't, he wants to eat this food that the pigs are eating, and he can't. He can't even eat that. So he starts to remember how good his dad is. So he thinks of this idea. He's like, I got a brilliant idea. I'm going to write a speech. And I'm going to go back to dad's house and I'm going to say this speech to my dad and just hope that he hires me as one of his servants. Not a son anymore, just a servant, because I know my dad will probably treat me better than this guy does. So he writes this speech. He says, Dad, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me like one of your hired servants. So the son crumples up the paper, the speech he wrote, puts it in his pocket, jumps on his little 45cc moped, and he's he's on his way. He's going to dad's house. So I want to pause right here, right now. The son is heading to dad's house. I want to pause. I have an issue 
with what this son's speech says. This son writes, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So my question is, when was he ever worthy to be called his son? What does worthy have to do with anything? I just picture myself, if I'm like five years old, going up to my dad like before breakfast or something and say, Daddy, I have something to tell you. And my dad would be like, what's up? And I'd be like, Dad, I feel like now I am worthy to be your son. You know what my dad would tell me? He'd say, Hayden, shut up. He'd say, go brush your teeth with a toothbrush I paid for, and then go take a shower in the shower in the water that I pay for. Go put on clothes that I purchased, then go jump in my car that I own, and I will drive you to school, right? I will drive you to school. And the thing is, you guys, is that you were never a son by worth or a daughter by worth. You are a son and daughter by birth. So when did I become my dad's son? When I was born, right? When I was born. Not after I did something. It's the same thing with God. We don't have to try to earn our worth. We are sons and daughters by birth. So I'm going to go ahead and invite Caitlin to jump on the keyboard. And as we close in this story. So we're going back to the story. So what is the son? The son... This son basically told his dad, Dad, you're dead to me. I don't want you in my life. I want your money. He goes off. He parties. He spends all the money. He tries to get a job. Doesn't work out because he's literally treated worse than pigs. And so now he's on his way back to his dad's house, hoping his dad will hear his speech and accept him back as a servant. Not as a son anymore, but as a servant. So he's on his way. He's on his moped, right? He's on his moped back to his dad's house. And we're all in our mind. If you're like me, we're thinking that this dad, he's not going to, like, what is he going to do? Like, I want to know what this dad's going to do. I, I, it's, I don't know. I don't know what I'd do. What, what would I do if my son did that? My son told me, I just want your money. I want you dead. So what would I do? I, I don't know. So that's what I'm expecting, right? So the story goes on to say that when the son was a long ways off in the distance. The dad saw the son. And what did he do? He ran to him. The dad ran to the son and hugged him and embraced him. This son is all beat up. He's starving. And he told his dad not too long ago that I want you dead. I just want your money. And now he's coming back to his dad. And his dad runs up to him and hugs him. Does that make any sense to anyone? And the story goes on to say that the dad threw a party for the son. He threw a party for him. That's crazy, right? What, why is this dad doing that? It doesn't make sense. Well, some of you might have picked up by now that this is a story in the Bible. This story is in the Bible. And actually, Jesus told this story to people when he walked on this earth. And he told this story because the dad in this story is God. 
The dad in this story is God. You see, grace is not man coming to God. Grace is God coming to man. As just in this story, this dad ran to the son. God is running to you right now. He's running to you and you and you and you. He's running to every single person in this room. And he's wanting to throw a party for you right now in heaven. He's wanting to throw a party for you. God is running to you right now. Grace is running to you right now. So what will you do? Grace is wanting to hug you. God is wanting to hug you. He's wanting to throw a party for you. So now you have the option, right? Just like grace is coming, whether you want it, whether you realize it or not, it's coming. So you have the option to embrace it or not. You have the option to join the party or not. We all have that option. But I'm here to tell you today that grace is running for every single person in this room.